عن أبي ذر جندب بن جنادة وأبي عبد الرحمن معاذ بن جبل رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال اتق الله حيثما كنت حيثما كنت وأتبع السيئة الحسنة تمحها وخالق الناس بخلق حسن رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن وفي بعض النسخ حسن صحيح بارك الله فيك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his own We now on hadith number 17 18. Hadith number 18, alhamdulillah. We are now on hadith number 18 of the 50 hadith of An-Nawawi. This hadith is reported by two companions of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Dhar, Jundub ibn Junada, and Mu'adh ibn Jabal, radiyallahu anhuma. They said, from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, meaning Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Ittaqillaha haythuma kunt. Fear Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala wherever you are. Ittaqillaha haythuma kunt. Fear Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala wherever you are. Wa atbi'i sayyi'ata al-hasanata tamhuha. And when you do something bad, follow it up with something good, tamhuha is going to erase it. Wa atbi'i sayyi'ata, when you do something bad, follow it up with what? Al-hasanata, something that is good, tamhuha, in order to erase the bad thing that you did. Wa khaliqin nasa bikhuluqin hasan, and behave towards the people, bikhuluqin hasan, with good manners. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam narrates two things, three things in the hadith. Firstly, to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you may be. Secondly, to follow up something bad, whatever bad thing you do with something good in order to cancel the bad thing. And to behave towards the people with good manners. There are three hukuk or three rights involved in this hadith. The right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which the Messenger وسلم, speaks about first. Secondly, the right of the individual, yourself, your own right. Thirdly, the right of the other people. Ittaqillah, that is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We remember from a hadith that we did earlier, where, uh, was it Abu Dhar? No, Sulaiman al-Farisi and Abu Darda. Where Abu Darda visited Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu. When he came to his place, Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu had heard that Abu Darda concentrated or spent most of his time in ibadah, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time, making tasbih, reading Quran, and praying the nawafil, 
to the extent where the wife of Abu Darda, Ummu Darda, complained that Abu Darda did not pay her any attention. Abu Darda was a busy man, always uh, glorifying Allah, always praying, always fasting. He never gave Umm Darda, his wife, any attention. When Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu found her one day, he found her, you know, wearing dirty clothes. She did not like beautify herself or decorate herself, and he asked her the reason. She said, Abu Darda does not have time for such things. He does not have time for me because he prays all the time, and he makes tasbih all the time, and he fasts all the time. So because of that, Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu invited Abu Darda over to his house to spend the night at his house, at the house of Salman al-Farisi. When he arrived, uh, Abu Darda was invited to eat with Salman al-Farisi. And Abu Darda said, I will not eat because I am fasting. Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu said to him, Wallahi, you will eat. If you don't eat, then I'm not going to eat either. So Abu Darda was forced to break his fast because it was a nafila, not a compulsory fast. And he ate with Salman al-Farisi. Then after that, they slept. And in the night, around the early part of the night, Abu Darda radiallahu anhu tried to wake up in order to start praying at night. Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu woke up and told him to go back and sleep. He said, but I want to pray the nawafil in the night. He said, not yet, go and sleep. So he slept. And after a couple of hours, he woke up again and wanted to pray. Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu again told him to go and sleep. Until the latter part of the night, the last part of the night. When he woke up, Salman al-Farisi also woke up and said, now we can pray our tahajjud because there's only a small part of the night remaining. So they prayed their tahajjud together and later they prayed Salat al-Fajr together. Then he gave him this advice, which is very important advice to everyone. He said to him, Inna li rabbika alayka haqqan. Your Lord has a right over you. Allah has a right over you that you should worship him. He has his time and his right. Wa inna li nafsika alayka haqqan. And you also have a right over yourself. Give yourself time to rest. Give yourself time to relax. Give yourself time to socialize with your family. And your family has a right over you. You must give them their time. So give Allah his time. Give yourself time, which belongs only to you, for you to relax and give your, uh, I mean your family time so that you sit down with them and play with them. Therefore give. Everyone that has a right, give them their right. I want you to notice that in this hadith, there are three rights that the Messenger وسلم, rather, uh, Salman al-Farisi points to. The first right is the right of Allah. The second right is your right. And the third right is the right of your family or the people around you. 
I mention the hadith because it's similar to this hadith, because three huquq have been mentioned in this hadith. Fear Allah wherever you may be. That is Allah's right. When you do something bad, do something good to cancel out the bad thing. That is for you. That's yours. It's to help you. And behave towards the people with good manners. That is the right of those around you, including your family. I want to start with the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ittaqillah. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Most of the time when we speak about fear, people think when you fear something, it means you have to run away from it and you have to avoid it. However, the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is different. When we are afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we do not run away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we are afraid of him, we run to him. When you're afraid of a lion, what do you do? You run to the lion. What do you do? You run away from the lion. When you are afraid of uh, uh, robbers, what do you do? Do you run to them? You run away from them. But with Allah, when we say fear Allah, ittaqillah, it means run to Allah. And Allah has expressed this meaning in the Quran where he says, Fafirru ilallah. Therefore, run to Allah. At-taqwa, to fear Allah. Antaj'ala, is that you should create. Bainaka, between yourself. Wa bayna adabillah, and the punishment of Allah. Wiqaya, you should put a shield between yourself and the punishment of Allah. You must put a shield. What shield do you put between yourself and the punishment of Allah? Bifi'li awamirihi, to do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded. Wajtinabi nawahihi, and to stay away from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden. That is called taqwa, to fear Allah. To fear Allah does not mean to, to shake and run away from him. It means one simple thing, do what Allah has commanded you. And stay away from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited with knowledge of what you are doing and with a good intention of getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the meaning of taqwa. So a person who does not know Allah and does not know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants and does not know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden cannot have taqwa of Allah. You only get taqwa of Allah when you know what it is that Allah wants you to do and what it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want you to do. Imam al-Dhahabi, rahimahullah, has written a book. The book is called Kitabu al-Kaba'ir, the book of major sins. I want to say everyone should read this book at least once in their lifetime because the book contains all the major sins al-kaba'ir kaba'ir al-dhunub a person is supposed to know which sins are major sins and which sins are minor sins as i'm going to point to when i talk about the second point which is so fear allah in other words do what allah has commanded you to do and stay away from the things that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden wherever you may be. Some people portray the fear of Allah in some places. 
And they do not portray the same fear of Allah in certain places. The majority of people, where they stay and where people know them, are very good people and they try to maintain a reputation. A reputation that they fear Allah. But the moment they travel and go somewhere else where no one knows them, suddenly the fear of Allah is no longer there. Suddenly they don't care because no one knows them in that particular area. Allah is obeyed in one place and disobeyed in another place. There are certain people who would not be seen walking with, with a woman hand in hand. They would never do that where, where they stay. They fear Allah where they stay. So when they want to do that, they decide to go to another place where no one knows them. Where they can walk hand in hand with women who are not their wives. And do things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden. The hadith says, Ittaqillah fear Allah haythuma kunta, wherever you are. It's not in one place. You know, there is a system and a number of people have observed this where certain people from certain Islamic countries, the moment they board an, an aeroplane to go to another country which is not an Islamic country, they just disappear into the lavatory and when they come out, suddenly the hijab has, has disappeared. The niqab has disappeared. And suddenly they're modern and, and western. And they order wines. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This is ikram, ni'mah, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you to fly in the air. The ni'mah that Allah has given us to travel on the road. And the moment we begin to fly, we begin to disobey Allah. They order wines, they drink and do all sorts of things. And when they go back to their Islamic countries again, they fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once again. The hadith says, Ittaqillah, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, haythuma kunta, wherever you may be. In privacy and also in the open. There should be no difference in your behavior among people and your behavior away from the people. Ittaqillah, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, haythuma kunta, wherever you may be. When you do something which is bad, follow it up with something which is good. I want to emphasize here that when the Messenger وسلم, says something which is good, tawbah is a good act. To ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you, repentance is called hasana, it is something good. Sins are divided into two. That's why I encouraged everyone to read this book of Dhahabi, uh, Al-Kaba'ir, The Major Sins. There are sins which are considered to be major sins, and sins that are considered to be minor sins. For the major sins, they are never cancelled out until you make tawbah. For the minor sins, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cancels them out when you do righteous good deeds, including salah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, uh, Al-umrati 
ilal umra kafaratul lima bainahuma from one umra to another umra it's a kafara it expiates all the sins between them if a person makes umrah today and then one year later makes another umrah all the sins between the two umrahs are forgiven which sins the minor sins the minor sins that we commit even from al jumuah ila al jumuah from one jumuah to another jumuah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives you the minor sins as salawatul khams the five salawat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives you the minor sins. And he says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, majtuni batil kabair, if you stay away from the kabair. The major sins. How do you know the major sins? You know them through ilm, through reading books like the book of Imam al-Dhahabi. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, it's easy. You can browse it on the, on the, on the internet. Right, Imam al-Dhahabi, Kitab al-Kaba'ir. I'm sure it's been translated. The uh, translations in English, in French, in many different languages. Read the book. Familiarize yourself with the Kaba'ir. So the Sagha'ir, when you do something good, any good thing that you do, uh, covers up the sin. But with the major sins, the Kaba'ir, you have to make Tawbah. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Sayyidul Istighfar, the greatest Istighfar, asking for forgiveness, and taqul, is that you should say, and this dua has to be learned, when someone commits a sin, how to make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, this dua is Sayyidu, the greatest al-istighfar that a person can make to Allah uh, after the adhan inshallah Bismillahirrahmanirrahim so we say um, you say after me Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa anta خلقتني وأنا عبدك وأنا على عهدك ووعدك ما استطعت أعوذ بك من شر ما صنعت وأبوء لك بنعمتك علي وأبوء بذنبي فاغفر لي فإنه لا يغفر الذنوب إلا أنت نعم this dua the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم called it سيد الاستغفار the greatest استغفار اللهم أو الله أنت ربي you are my lord وأنا عبدك and I am your slave وَأَنَا عَلَىٰ أَحْدِكَ وَوَعْدِكَ مَسْتَطَعْتِ I'm going to remain by your covenant or the promise I made to you مَسْتَطَعْتِ according to my ability أَعُوذُ بِكَ I seek refuge in you مِنْ شَرِّ مَا صَنَعْتِ 
from the things, the bad things that I've done. Because the bad things that you have done are supposed to come back and haunt you. So you say, bika, I seek refuge in you from being haunted by the bad things that I've done. And I acknowledge your bounties on me. Every ni'mah you've given me, I acknowledge it. I accept you've given me this ni'mah. And I confess my sins. I agree that I've done wrong things. Forgive me. No one forgives sins except you, Allah. So this is Sayyidul Istighfar. When a person does something which is bad, especially min al-kaba'ir, he has to make tawbah. And this tawbah is considered hasana. That's why Rasulullah says, al-hasana. The bad thing, follow it up with the good thing, which is tawbah. Tamkuha. It's going to rub it immediately. And the good thing is there is no limit to the tawbah. The only thing that you need is sincerity in your heart. To be sincere and promise Allah and really regret in your heart that you did such a thing. For the minor sins, the little things that we do to people. If I say something bad to you, I'm supposed to follow it up with something good. I'm supposed to do something good for you in order to cover up for the bad thing that I did to you. If I said some evil things about you and I realize what I said about you is bad, I should try my level best to say some nice things about you. If I did anything that I think may have hurt you, I try my level best to make sure that I do something to make you happy. Every little minor sin that you commit, you make sure it's rubbed off by something good that you do. Minor sins are dangerous. Minor sins are dangerous. They have the tendency of coming together and gathering and gathering until they grow into mountains. You know when you kindle a fire, you don't kindle a fire with one big tree. To make a fire, you make it with one big tree. How do you make it? Small trees put together. They're the most effective. A small tree and another one and another one, about 10 of them, put them together, light the fire, you'll see what kind of fire it's going to be. So what destroys a human being is not the major sins only. Minor sins can destroy a person when they come together. They're like firewood. You're gathering them. Then you put them together and when you light that fire, it's going to burn. So you avoid the little things. Rasulullah says to a mu'min, even the small sin is something that weighs heavily on his heart. When he commits a sin, even if it's a small sin, he thinks like it's, there is a mountain that's about to fall onto him. When a mountain is on top of you and it could fall on you any time, how do you feel? Comfortable? You don't feel comfortable. You know you're in danger. That's the way a mu'min feels when he commits a sin, even if it's a minor sin. But to a person without iman, 
The Messenger وسلم, says his sins are like a fly. A fly that sits on, on your nose. When a fly sits on your nose, is there much bother about that? We just do that and it goes away, right? Is it a topic? Is it something to talk about? And then I sat one day and there was a fly that sat on my nose and I did this. Is it something to talk about? It's something you just brush away and continue with your, with your story as if, as if it were never there. When a person loses Iman and they commit sin, they brush it away like a fly. As if nothing happened and life goes on. But these minor sins have a tendency to gather up and they could destroy a human being. So, Each time, you know, sometimes we do something and just a couple of minutes later you realize, no, this, this is not good. Someone is asking you politely and, and you answer them in, in a bad manner. Then uh, 30 seconds later, you realize I shouldn't have said that. What do you do? You go to him. Even if it's one minute later, go to him. Say, ah, sorry, I, I did not answer you nicely. You know, I was with Apologize. But people do that and leave it. They leave it that way. Tomorrow you injure someone else and you leave it like that. Allow those little sins to come together and they're going to destroy you. And behave towards the people. With good manners. Our religion, and I keep saying our religion, is about manners. Just manners. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I've been sent in order to perfect good manners. Innama, innama means nothing else. I didn't come for anything else. I came only to perfect good manners. But Ya Rasulullah, what about the salah? What about the zakat? What about all the things you taught us? I taught you all those things because I want you to have good manners. I taught you salah because I want you to have good manners. I taught you zakat because I want you to have good manners. I taught you fasting because I want you to have good manners. Everything I was teaching you, do this, don't do that, points towards one thing, good manners. So if you fast and pray and give zakat and you do not attain good manners, then you haven't done anything. It's nothing. Salah is supposed to change you. Salah is supposed to put a smile on your face. But for the majority of us, salah puts a frown on our faces. Salah is supposed to make you a happy person. If you were sad, when you pray salah, you become happy. And those around you benefit from that salah. But some people are so serious, they pray salah five times a day. But their akhlaq, even towards their children, leaves a lot to be desired. I was saying one time, if you're praying in your house, and your son or your daughter passes in front of you, obviously a person is not supposed to pass in front of a musalli. But this is a child. The child doesn't know. Sometimes you go into sujood and he climbs on your, on your back. Or sometimes he hits you with a stone while you're in sujood. And then you slap him in salah. He begins to think, this salah, is this really, is this really about God? If people are getting slapped, you pass in front of someone, bam, you slap you, 
I thought when he prays, he's supposed to become a better person. He's supposed to be more merciful to me. But if mercy does not come out of his salah, then what is the benefit of this salah? They begin to hate salah. They think salah is not something good. Salah is something very, very bad because the people who pray don't show any mercy. They're always frowning. Why? They're serious. They're making tasbih. Hadan Allah. May Allah guide us. Salah is supposed to teach us akhlaq, manners. I was telling you the other time about someone who supposes he's, he's very, very educated in Islamic disciplines and he's always talking about this bid'ah, that bid'ah and so on. And then he finishes salah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. You know, in some masajid, the moment you say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, people shake your hand. They shake the hand of the person on their right and they shake the hand of the person on their, on their left. And obviously, if someone believes this is ibadah, it's supposed to be bid'ah, but the way of teaching is supposed to be with good manners. And then this talibul ilm, this man who's educated, someone tries to shake his hand after the salah, he slaps him. Bah, bid'ah. I'm trying to greet you. After, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Bid'ah. So, to shake your hand after salah is bid'ah. Says yes, ah, and to slap me is sunnah. <laughs> Shaking hands is bit and slapping is sunnah. It's bad manners, isn't it? So this ilm has this ilm come with good manners? It came with bad manners. A person can have ilm and still have bad manners. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wants us to have ilm. Uh, there's someone you know? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Innama bu'ithtu li utammima makarim al-akhlaq. And this good manners has to start with your mother. Imam Bukhari rahimahullah wrote a book, Al-Adab al-Mufrad. Make no mistake, in the book Sahih al-Bukhari, there's Kitab al-Adab. Not that one. <laughs> He wrote another book on its own, apart from Sahih al-Bukhari, which he called Al-Adab al-Mufrad. And in Al-Adab al-Mufrad, he begins with the Adab with your mother. Good manners, the best manners, are supposed to be with your mother. You remember the hadith where Rasulullah and Imam Bukhari begins with that hadith. Man nas bi sahabati. Which one of the people, who of the people is supposed to enjoy my good company, my good relationship? Qala ummuk. He said, your mother. Qala thumma man. He said, then who? He said, thumma ummuk. Thumma man. Then whom? He says, then your mother. He said, thumma man. He said, then whom? Excuse my grammar. It's then whom, not then who. Then whom? He said, ummuk. How many times? Three times. Thumma man. Then whom? Thumma qal abuk. Then your father. Some people have very good manners with other people. And no manners with their mothers. When someone else calls them, Hello, assalamu alaikum, mashallah, how are you? When the mother calls, oh, assalamu alaikum. No, no, I'm very busy. That's the mother. Bad manners. Your good manners should start with your mother. Some people have no manners and they have no respect for their wives. They have more respect for the clerk at the, at the bank than they have for their wives. When the clerk at the bank calls, 
Hello, sir. I'm calling in connection with your account number, whatever. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Um, anything I can do? All right. Thank you. Thank you. The wife goes, oh, what do you want? I'm busy.